0: I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the... F- what the... F- Gives you freedom. Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.
0: Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, this week, I'm going to be talking to Jack Andrews again for the third time. And we'll see how far that interview gets through. This is going to be an experiment. I'm going to try something. I'm going to be recording the interview. And then I'm also going to be making a video of the interview as well. Primarily what you're going to see if you decide to tune into the YouTube video is what I'm looking at on the screen while I'm talking to Jack. Now, I'm not sure if I'll continue this. This is a bit of an experiment, but we're going to go ahead and uh record this on-screen interview. Uh you won't see me or Jack. You're going to hear our voices, but you're going to see what I look at in the uh, in the in the YouTube video. So, if you're new to me and this is your first time watching or listening, this is the Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast and beyond. It's actually, actually, I changed the name to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond. And you might have noticed that I've changed the introduction because a lot of people did not like my creaking gate. So I took out the creaking gate and put in the other uh, little clip from, I guess it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So anyway... Before we get on to the interview, let me do my quick advertisement. If you want to sign up for my email list, you will get 8 free lessons, which is about 3 hours and 18 minutes of the 16-lesson course, which is Sailing Learn to Sail, the basic keelboat certification, lessons for the ASA 101 exam. Now, I can't teach you to sail in an audio course, but I can try to explain the concepts and the terminology and the vocabulary to you in an audio course and my hope is that if you like these lessons if you like my my style you might buy one of my other courses i have three separate courses the basic course the basic keelboat certification which is for those who have never sailed before and don't understand the terminology or the the maneuvers that are going to be taking place on a boat. Then I have the ASA 103, which is the Basic coast, Coastal Cruising Certification, and the ASA 104, which is the bareboat Boat Cruising Certification. Now, these are the ASA certifications, but if you're just learning to sail and you don't really care about the certifications, it's going to cover a lot of the material that you really should understand if you're going to be a sailor. Now, it is nowhere near in-depth as is required for a Coast Guard license. If you want to actually get a Coast Guard license, you're going to have to do a lot more than just listening to these audio courses and studying a few audio books. So, uh, with that out of the way, let me get into my interview with Jack. Oh, where is it? There it is, Jack Andrews. All right. The audio is recording and Camtasia is recording. I'm back with Jack Andrews. Jack, the last time we talked, you uh, had just bought an anchor in Pula, Croatia, and I've got that up on the screen, and I think you took it back to Palmer. Well, first of all, are you still in Ireland then?
1: Yes, we're we're still still in Ireland, uh, here for Christmas and New Year's um and probably through to about the end of january before we head back to marina uh ragusa which is um in sicily southern part of sicily and we will also um between the 9th and the 12th be flying over to london to visit the london boat show which um julia and i are pretty excited about especially as we're predominantly living on a boat now One, haven't been over the last few months but uh For most of the forthcoming year, we will be. So it'll be very interesting to walk the London boat show and pick up all those creature comforts that a cruiser needs. (laughs) Yeah, I was
0: actually, I'm at your website right now, which is your Facebook page, SV Vesna. And I did see that you're going to London. I'm thinking, geez, you know, I I tend to avoid boat shows because it just uh, lowers your bank account when you go to those things. What you oh, yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I think we're going to have a much reduced bank account over the next um, six months based on the uh, things that we've got to get for the boat. I mean, you know, th- we don't have a radar on the boat. We don't have AIS. Um, we, we don't have a lot of things that probably would make crossing an ocean in the middle of the night a lot easier. And, uh, you know, over the last summer we did a few crossings and it was very I mean it was perfect crossing conditions that we did in and so you know full moon great visibility calm water because um, you know the only thing that we were using was effectively in avionics we had a backup GPS on the boat which is the old GPS that came with the boat um, but you know, we we're using binoculars and identifying boats at night with binos, looking for the lights, making sure that we were uh, crossing the channel in between boats coming through, you know, at whatever speed they do, which is always variable, without the AIS, without a radar. So, you know, had we had bad weather, we couldn't, we would not have been able to do that. So, yeah, we do, we do need to add a few things to the boat. All right. I have neither AIS nor radar
0: um, which yes. which one do you, which one do you think is uh, is your first priority,
1: AIS or radar? Which one? Um, it's definitely going to be AIS because um, from what everybody else says, it seems to be the the better tool for avoiding the larger boats. But obviously, um, it's not going to help you if somebody else is not uh, transmitting and don't doesn't have AIS. But it certainly will help you with the larger boats. I mean, the closest that that we've come to a boat would have been half a nautical mile in the middle of the night you could see the bow wave uh the white frothy water and you could, you know we crossed across the shipping lane watching this big freighter coming towards us and it seemed to take forever to cross and it's something that you're going to be able to pick up so much easier is you know trans transferring you know for a while transacting from one side to the other side of that shipping channel because you can't really read the speed that the boats are going at. And, and I say that because they don't all go at the same speed. <laughs> so, you know, you can be lining up behind one that's going fairly slowly and the, and the next one after it's going faster. So, you know, and that's pretty much what happened to us at one point in time. And you know, it sort of said to us, let get the AIS. It's going to make this a lot easier. It's going to make uh, Julia a lot happier as well. <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice to have if you have the space
0: for it and your boat's big enough that you've got the space for it. So are you going to hook it up to a a computer screen or is it going to come on your uh, your your chart software? Well,
1: the one that we're actually going to be going for is, I think it's the same one that Andy Scholl uses on his boat, Isbjorn, oh no, not Isbjorn, it's, uh, what is it, the new one? can't remember. It's the swan that he's got. And um, it sets up a Wi-Fi network. So it has a GPS connection um, through just a radio that comes with it. I mean, sorry, it has a GPS antenna that you put on the outside or you can even mount them inside in some areas. And then it has a splitter for the VHF antenna. So you you don't need to install another antenna for the transmission. So it's receiving the GPS signal from... GPS antenna, taking it on board, and then it's transmitting that information out, and you can then connect an iPad to that and view the AIS information on the iPad, or you can have an external monitor for it as well, and it's a Vespa unit. So, it's pretty easy because, you know, you've got backup devices, we've got multiple iPads on board. and you know you can overlay onto those It's pretty easy from that point of view because you can have it out there in, in the cockpit with you, um, or you can have it inside It's not a problem. Um, the radar probably more so for um, fog, which we don't we didn't experience any fog in this last summer, but um, we certainly experienced weather that would have been easier to spot on radar. Um, there was certainly a couple of squalls that uh, we would have picked, been able to pick up and probably move around as opposed to have to go through or, or not be able to determine in which direction they were travelling in. So, yeah, the the radar's probably more for that. Um, as I spent, We spoke about uh, the anchor chain not being long, long enough in the last episode, I think. yeah, It's 46 metres and we really need about 100 or 80 to 100. Because um, as you're fully aware, the anchorages aren't really that shallow in uh, most of those areas in Croatia or Greece.
0: Yeah, I've got, I think, 250 feet on my boat, and sometimes I've ran it all out. And that's about what you're looking at. You're talking yeah. meters, I, I still think, in feet and yards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Actually, I've got a list of things that we've got to get. Uh, it's uh, quite extensive. Um, it includes... Battery chargers, inverters, (laughs) new battery banks. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, the anchor chain, uh, Yeah, all sorts of things.
0: See, I think you're going to get a generator too, probably one of those Honda generators as well.
1: That's right, yeah, the 2KV, uh, yeah, 2000. Um, I don't think that that is that expensive. I think it's probably about uh, $1,500 or so. I think probably the biggest expense that we'll be up for, and it just depends on how we go, is is maybe having a look at the standing rigging.
0: Hmm. So you think you need to uh, adjust your, I mean, you're going
1: to have to replace your standing rigging? The, uh, the first survey that it went through, it all looked fine. And, you know, we've looked at it all the time that we've been sailing with it this last summer and it looks fine. But it is more than 10 years old. So... You can't tell what you can't see. Um, So if you have any, I guess the only way way that you could really test standing rigging is if you um, had non-destructive testing techniques. Of course, that's so expensive to to test with that you might as well just replace it. But I think we'll just need to get it surveyed again this summer and specifically by a rigger as opposed to just a boat surveyor.
0: Yeah, I watched that uh, video on sailing Delos where they changed all their rigging themselves. Did you watch that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it t-
1: it certainly took them a long time. Um, you yeah, know, they had a cu- they Had a couple of people. I mean, well, they had a couple of guys working on it. Was the two brothers were working on it together, and they had some extra help. So I guess that would probably make it pretty you know, not too bad. And and I think they also found a pretty good. Um, yard that supplied them and helped them out as well it's a good way to do it but i think it would take a lot of time if it was just going to be me yeah i'm on
0: the the vespa marine website by the way while we're talking and i'm looking at this uh xb-8000 transponder with built-in wi-fi and nema 2000 gateway that looks like the one you're probably talking about then
1: yeah that is did you say it's an 8000 yeah, I think ex- there's a 6,000 that comes without a screen that you can... Well, this one doesn't have hit. a screen. This is just a box, it looks like. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. And, yeah, and I'm looking... Maybe at, it's
0: the 8,000. Yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, energy usage. uses a couple of watts on the transmit power. And it uh, doesn't say what it's using. I'm just looking for the the use of energy. So since you talk about uh, <laughs> you're going through, you're you're burning up your batteries too fast. But two watts well, is
1: not much on this. So no, and and you know we started off with not knowing the condition of the batteries. We had the batteries tested and they all seemed fine. But you know it's a small amount of um, power that we've got on board. You know, two hundred and forty ampere hours. So. We really need to be running at about five or 600 ampere hours based on what we've got on board the boat. So that's what we're going to be doing. So, you know, batteries are another cost of what we're going to be changing or putting into the boat this um, spring.
0: Now, you're going to spend another
1: summer or two over there. When do you think you'll be sailing it back across? Um, we'll definitely be spending this summer over here and next summer. So the next two summers will be in the Med. There's just so much to see. I mean, it it is... I always hear these people are going to go over
0: and come back and say you're crazy, you're absolutely crazy. There's so much to see.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we felt that we rushed Croatia, and you know, we were there for, you know, on and off for three months. You know, I I don't know how long you spent in Croatia overall, but um, it certainly was a rush. I mean, there are islands there we still didn't see, and uh, we'd happily go back and have a look at.
0: Yeah, I sailed over, spent one month in Croatia, uh, and then wintered it. Then I spent the next two two months of the next summer sailing it up to to Kress, or Tress, and wintered it in Tress. And then uh, spent the next summer sailing, well, the next summer I sailed back to, uh, to Turkey. So I came all the way from Tress. And all the way down through Albania and then Greece and then all the way back to Turkey. So probably about, mm, probably about four months total. And you're right, I felt like I was rushing it as well. All right, let's get on to where we left off last
1: time and and start working our way down the coast. Yes, yeah, certainly. So so we bought the. We went back after that squall that hit us and the anchor dragged and we lost the engine. And you know that was the time that we thought we had caught fire. Um. We ended up going back to Puller, buying the anchor, and then we went back to Poma um, after Puller. Mm-hmm. And we um, hung around in Poma. And I think if you're looking at the website or the, the Facebook part of it, I think sort of the time period we're talking about here is um, about August the 2nd onwards.
0: Okay, so on the website, uh, do you have a timeline in here then?
1: Uh, well it 's just posts that went up roughly at the at the time that they happened anyway, so yeah i mean there 's a bit of a history there I think there 's a photo of me buying the anchor um, actually August the third.
0: Okay, you got to understand. I, I'm totally a neophyte on Facebook. You're about the first time I've actually
1: looked at Facebook. Is, is your website? Is your Facebook page? So. Yeah, well, that, that's another thing you've got to change, Brian. <laughs> you definitely have to get the Facebook page up. <laughs> we'll speak to Neil about it. He's been doing a little bit of work on it,
0: and I appreciate the work he's doing. But uh, uh, yeah, okay. So I'm here. I see. I see some pictures going back and farther. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Engine work at midnight. Oh, this
1: comes a little later on, doesn't it? So, Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's about August the 3rd, 4th um, is where we're talking about now. So back in Poma, and we're in Poma because we had a bora coming through. So, you know, we, we got out of Pola, We had enough time to, to move further down the coast. So we got back to Poma, um, and we decided just to wait out there whilst there was a bora. The marina in Poma uh, is brand new now. Probably when you were there, it was the older buildings and bathrooms and the whole lot. Now they've, they've refurbished the whole lot. It's you know, brand, It's all brand new. It's it's only been open in the last year or so. <clears throat> and uh, it's got a swimming pool in there. I think the first time we were in Poma, which is like the week before, the swimming pool wasn't open. This time when we came back, when the bore was coming through, the, the pool was open, so the kids loved it. So that was, that was good. Um, and it was funny because it's also a charter base for a small company there. And um, it was really funny watching these guys in the sense of they've only got a week of charter, so they turn up. And I, I felt sorry for them, right? Because if it, this was me a few years ago as well. And they turn up and there's a borer. So, like, what do you do? So, of course, the charter company is doing the briefing and telling them, you know, you got to stay in. Well, our suggestion is you stay in because it's quite windy out there. And, um, you know, a few of them left fairly early in the piece, a day before we would have left, uh, which is fine. I guess, you know, they're under time constraints, which is never a good thing when you're on a sailboat. But that's what you get over, over a week's charter, right? And one of the guys is leaving. He ended up getting blown onto the rocks inside the marina. Like he, <laughs> he didn't even get out of the marina before he uh, before before he was on the rocks. And uh, it was myself and one of the other marinaras out there um, pushing the boat off and trying to trying to get him back out. I mean, he, he didn't do much damage to the boat because obviously there's no no swell within the marina. But, um, you know, he ended up, you could you could hear and you could see, you could see and you could feel the keel on the uh, on the rocks right inside the marina with about 30 people watching and taking photos and <laughs> and there were you know there was him right at the back there you know steering away and um not not knowing what to do and he had a little kid and and his wife on board and totally helpless so anyway he ended up getting pushed out and finally got himself sorted and and he actually left. <laughs> Which you know and the and the the guy that's running the charter base is tearing his hair out on on shore. There goes and, there uh, goes his deposit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean you know, these guys do inspect the boats when they come through with a diver. So it's for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah but here yeah, I'm so looking we were...
0: okay, I'm on your Facebook page. I found August eighth and uh, finally got out of Palmer today, motored to Cress. Now, when I was in Croatia, they said Tress, even though it st- looks like Cress. Which way did you uh,
1: end up pronouncing that? I don't. Uh, I said Cress. because okay. Being English speaking, yeah, that's that's what it sort of seems to. But I didn't hear anybody pronounce it enough to to really um, you know, give us an idea. So yeah, so Cress um, and. That was um, back on anchor that night, which um, which was you know a bit scary for us, <laughs> but it was a brand new anchor. It's a good anchor. It's a Rockner, right? So it's solid. Um, we went past as we were finding a place to to anchor up. We went past um, another boat, and it was American flagged, and it wasn't a Delaware registered American flag boat. It was, you know, it was a, it was a liverboard. And asked him how much uh, chain he had out or how much road he had out just to get an idea where I was going to drop my anchor. And he said, Oh, you yeah, know, 280 feet. <laughs> and I'm going, Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make that. <laughs> right. So I had to move over a little bit into a shallower spot. And, you know, I wasn't going to be anywhere near him. So that, that was fine anyway. But um, yeah, so the again the limitation of only having the 40 meters to to swing on but it was a calm night and um it was fine uh, the place was quiet we just we were just on board the boat and the next day we we put the dinghy in the water but the crossing over was also fantastic so when you you know from poma to Cress, um if you look at that crossing it goes across uh what is it called can't remember right now, but, um, yeah, there's it's a stretch of water that can be quite blowy. And it's that channel. Yeah, that so you're actually north. sort
0: of, you're heading almost uh, sort of northeast, east-northeast to get up there. Did you, now, which, did you go to the town of Cress on the island of Cress? Is that where you went or where did you go?
1: Yeah, we went to the town of Cress. Okay. So you end up going into this large bay and then you ended up going into a smaller bay which is where the town is and um you know that there is an ACI marina in Cress.
0: yeah and that's where I wintered was at marina there
1: oh you wintered there okay mm-hmm. and that's a very large and also new looking facility or fairly fairly good looking facility um but we'd just spent the last X number of nights in Palmer, and we just wanted to get out of a, a marina. So where did you um, anchor?
0: I'm looking at the bay. Where did you end up anchoring? Was it right off the town, or I guess there's a little bit of an anchorage area right off the beach there, isn't there?
1: There is. Um, so if you sort of look about half distance between you know the last jetty on the ACI marina and the actual town, that's probably where we anchored in, in that area there.
0: Yeah, I used to, you know, that was a
1: bit of a walk
0: from the marina into the town. But that town's a delightful town.
1: Oh, right, yes, it is. It's fantastic. Um, and that town, we launched the dinghy, and you know, I dropped Julia and the kids off, and I, and I did so I was doing some work on the boat, and then they radioed me and said, "Hey, you know, there's a there's a spot here on the town wall, on the town wall." And I said, Great, hold it. And I then single handedly sort of you know raised the anchor, got the boat over to that spot and backed it in. And we then spent the next couple of nights on that town dock, on the town wall, right you know, in that in Cress itself, as far in as you can go for a for a boat.
0: Now did you actually I, go into the harbour then, and that tiny little harbour then? Or did you do it no. on the outside wall there?
1: The outside wall, because the tiny harbour only takes uh, dinghy-sized boats, or actually, it has a little ferry that goes in there as well. But that's that's all, and there's there's no real mooring for anybody visiting in that area. It's all local boats. Um, but the out the town wall outside of that, or the outside part of that same jetty, uh, or actually, it was a concrete pier, I think, um, that has places for day multiple days if you like Um, and there was power and water available there as well you know the only issue is that unlike a marina like an ACI marina or something um, you're right in the middle of town so you get all the traffic you get all the um, bars and everything right at your doorstep but you also get the consequence of the tourists walking up and down past the boat and you also get the consequence of the noise in the evenings but there's a fantastic wine bar uh where <laughs> you can buy you can buy bottles of wine by the, you know, two euro. Which is only about um I don't know, it was must have been twenty steps away from the boat. So yeah, that that was pretty good. And um yeah, and Cress itself, you know, it's uh it's a nice little town to explore. Um plenty of restaurants and um and fairly popular. And then if you walk along the coast towards out towards the bigger um, bay uh, there's a couple of beaches there and of course you know they're small beaches um they're not really big and then when you get out to the peninsula uh which would be i think about a 20 minute walk um there's a dive center and they've got, they're doing dive school training off of a much larger beach and there's a much larger beach to use Plus, there's a fairly large campground there as well.
0: Now, do you still dive? I know you're a professional diver. Did you lose uh, your desire to dive?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, we, we've we got our dive gear on board the boat, and we're picking up some tanks um, on this trip before we get back to the boat. We're, we're picking them up uh, probably, actually... I found one place where I can actually order them online, so I'll probably be ordering them online. Um, and that's in the Czech Republic, funny enough.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're about half the price of um, the ones that are getting sold retail, and they seem to have pretty good reviews. Sort of, So I'll order one and see how that goes, and then will probably get a couple more. Because this year, um, certainly Declan wants to go diving. Um, so he's 12, and... Then uh Julia's obviously certified. Um, I am as well, obviously, because you have to if you want to get a tank refill. But the, the commercial qualifications just don't get your tank filled. No one understands them in a paddy store.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I was in Belize a few years ago, and I decided I wanted to go diving, and I didn't have my dive card with me. And I think I'd lost my dive card a long time ago because I've been certified for <laughs> – Well over thirty years, and uh, and they said, "Well, you don't have a dive card." I said, "No." So they actually looked it up on the internet and verified that I did have a dive card. So
1: correct, yeah. Did you do that with Patty? Yeah, yeah. And Patty also has uh, an iPhone app or an app, and you can, if you get that, and they'll give you all the information there, including your qualifications, the store you did your training at, your instructor, the whole lot. So you can download the app and have your card with you on the phone. That's probably something I should do.
0: I haven't been diving that much as, you know, as a general rule, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I find it's, and- I, I find snorkeling is as much fun nowadays as diving is with all the gear that I have to put on.
1: Oh, look, yeah, absolutely. Um, snorkeling is is number one because it's just so much freer than than having to put a tank on. But there is just something about just sitting on the bottom and blowing bubbles that, <laughs> that just doesn't compare, right? <laughs> so you've got to do that every so often because it is a really fantastic experience. Yeah. All right. From Tress. So Cress. So yes, we uh, ended up sailing down to um, – it's Lozenge, right? Okay. So it sounds like Lozenge. Right. But what is it really? Um, do you know how it's pronounced?
0: Well, I always say Losin-Jay, but I don't know if, what it is. I, that's how I pronounce it, Losin-Jay. But I just want to tell you a quick story. When, uh, when I left, when I was heading up to Crest, the town of Crest, my wife and I were on board, and we, uh, we were heading north, and a big wind came up, and we just couldn't make way. So we, we dropped into that Porto Ustrine a bay in there that doesn't really have any place to tie up, but it's a protected bay. There's a there's a protected bite in the north end and then another one in the south end, and then it's fairly open to the west in between there. So the wind was blowing oh, yeah. like crazy yeah. out of the north, and so we went up to that north bay and dropped our anchor, and it was really, really blowing. It must have been a big bore or something, but we dropped our anchor and, you know, I was on an anchor watch, but our anchor was holding. And, and in the middle of the night, the wind shifted to be all the way out of the south, directly 180 degrees. So then we motored down to the south end and dropped our anchor. And then later on, it switched around back to the north, and then we motored back up to the north end, all in one night, back and forth and back and forth to get our protection in there. But, oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of hassle. It was. It was. So you went, you went down to the
1: town. We so went to Maui, Lozenge?
0: Yeah, the big town, the major town then,
1: right? Yes. So, um, but before we went to that town, there's a little harbor. And if, you, if you zoom in on the island, there's an airport that you'll see. It'll be the, the Mali Lozenge Airport. And right next to that airport, there's a little bay and it's a little anchorage. And there's two anchorages, actually. There's that one there, and there's a larger one on the other side of the airport. So the one that I'm talking about is the western side. It, it almost, um, you yeah, know, it's the closest to the southern part of the runway.
0: Okay. All right. So you're that little bay just to the, uh, just to the east of it? Is that where you're talking about or to the south of it?
1: It's the one on the south because we went to the one on the east of it, which is a much larger area. But that was chock-a-block, I mean, it was full of boats and we actually went in there, had a look, you know, cruised past and just couldn't find an anchorage within the depth that we needed to anchor in, um, taking our road into consideration. So, so we then went back out and went to that little bay on the south and it was forecast to be relatively quiet for the next couple of days, so it was not a problem to, to just drop the pick there and... And this, this is the spot where we turned up and it had uh, it had the nudists on board, the boat next to us, <laughs> which again, you know, we turned up, we weren't aware. We It's not like we were invading their privacy or anything. And I don't, and it's not, I mean, it's not a nudist camp or anything around that area. But we we turned up, dropped, dropped the anchor, you know, got dinner ready and having a few drinks. And by the time we did all that, we noticed that the boat next to us was picking up their anchor and... And we looked across and none of them are wearing any clothes and there's two girls and a guy. <laughs> and he's he's like bending over, pulling up the anchor manually. <laughs> and I <it> was <laughs> like, okay, I, I think they're leaving because we've got kids on board and they probably don't want to disturb our privacy.
0: <laughs> I think I think there's more nudist there's more nudity in Croatia than anywhere else I've been.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It seems that way, doesn't it? So so anyway, so that was good. And we ended up spending a couple of nights on anchor there, um, which was great. And we really enjoyed, you know, the swimming around that area. And um, we also were waiting for some friends to turn up. And we picked them up from the actual harbour itself. So if you go to Mali Lozenge, the town itself, we picked them up from in there. And um, we then took them to the bay that's on the east side of that airport. And we went swimming and, you know, paddling around that area. Then we walked into the town and spent some time on the beach there and provisions for, you know, lunch and came back on the boat then dropped them back off at uh, Mali Lozenge. So our overall time in that region, I think, was, it's counted up, it was one, two, three, four. Uh, yeah, it was, no, it was just three nights. So, um, and the last night, uh, which wasn't quite a night itself, but was that was in the ACI Marina in Mali Los I think it was an ACI marina. Yeah, there's a sure there's a marina
0: there. there, but I don't know if it's ACI. That's where I actually had to go and get uh, a fuel line fixed. And uh, there is, a, and they've got a little mecha- a mechanic shop in that marina, but I don't think it's an ACI marina.
1: Right. Okay. So that's that's pretty much right in the next to the town, right? Right. In the mm-hmm. south part of that long bay yeah it's on yeah. The, it's on the east, um, uh,
0: east side of that long bay just north of the town a little bit.
1: yeah, and we found that was a really weird place in a way, because um, they had they had toilets and showers, but you had to pay to use them <laughs> so so you were paying to, to use the marina, which um, I don't think it was cheap. it definitely wasn't a cheap marina. Um, I can look up the pricing, but it was not inexpensive. And then you had to pay the equivalent of like something like, I don't know, another $7 to use the toilets and showers. Mm. And, you know, times five and you sort of think, you know, it's, it's a bit funny. And And that explained why there were so many people in that marina taking showers at the marina on their back deck.
0: Okay, you know, there's that marina, there's actually the marina I went to, now that I'm looking around here on uh, on the maps, I went to a different marina, which was north of the big boatyard there. You remember right. that big boatyard? There's another marina just north of that, very yeah, close okay. to the canal that goes across there. And okay. uh, that's where I ended up staying, because that's where the mechanic was that I needed to go to, so,
1: yeah. Right, it's a different marina, Yeah. Because yeah, I remember that. it being
0: quite a walk to get into town, where that other marina is pretty close to town. And I don't even think that other marina was there when I was
1: there before, so I think that's fairly new. Yeah, it, well, it looked new. It definitely looked new. So I don't. Know, I didn't know if it had been refurbished or, or was relatively new, um, as such. But um, and the other thing, the people that we picked up were sort of met in a at a wedding in Bali um, the previous year, and they're from Holland. Um they were staying at this massive camp site. Did you do you know there's a massive campsite there? So Mali Lozenge has like a it's I think this, there's about three thousand site uh three thousand camp sites in this area.
0: Is that over the hill into that other bay on the other side there?
1: Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. I didn't know, know there was absolutely, that big. Yeah. It's massive. Um, they've got a, you know, a water playground and an associated hotel and obviously the beaches and the forest. But, you know, 3,000 campsites and then you multiply that by, say, you know, three or four people per campsite. That's a lot of campers in that one area. <laughs> so, yeah, that was quite a surprise because we, we went with them into this campsite, and it was just massive. <laughs> it, not for us.
0: So you came out. Now, which way did you go when you came out? Did you go through the cut and go around the east side of uh, Lowson Jay, or did you go down the west side of the of the island? Because, you know, you got that little cut that you can go through at certain times. They open it up, and you can go through there.
1: No, we never went through there. I mean, that's got to... Does that bridge actually open? I wasn't aware that it... Opened. Yeah, at
0: certain times. You have to you have to time it. There's always a big line out front to go through that.
1: Yeah, well, no, because we, what we were doing um, is we had to actually head back over to Italy because we were catching up with some um, people that... Well, actually, we were catching up with our next-door neighbors from Bellevue. Um, so these are people that we were living next door in, in Bellevue, Washington, or for the last sort of three years prior to getting on board the boat and they have Italian um, well, sort of half Italian half French neighbors and they have Italian family and they were spending time in Bologna and they invited us to come over so you know another schedule item you know meet people and so forth so we're under a bit of pressure to get across to Bologna so we didn 't go through that cut, we had no intention to go that way. We actually were going um, heading west and it was that last night when we were actually in that marina down the bottom next to Mali Lozenge, the town itself, that we provisioned the boat, filled it up with um, food and, and water and then that night we crossed over to uh to italy well it you first... you're
0: going back and forth a lot between. now did you clear out of uh... Did you clear out then and go across?
1: Yes, we did that. I mean, that's one thing I think we also mentioned is that Croatia is just absolutely, you know, you need to do that each time.
0: Well, and it's a real headache to do it as well. It's not, it's not like it's a five-minute job. It's
1: like an hour to get cleared out, isn't it? Yeah. I think the port captain, or well, the port captain's office was about half an hour, but an hour all up by the time you include travel time, or, you know, walking over, getting there and and going through the procedure, but it wasn't it wasn't very busy, so it wasn't too much of a big deal. Um, the police are good because they're open 24 hours, and you know we were leaving at uh, 10 o'clock at night, um, so you know we were the only boat that turned up. Uh, there was like one police officer on duty, and you know she was fine. She just went through a procedure. It took her because there's five passports to deal with. You know I think it took her about 20 minutes. And then once we cleared out, um, we were on our way. And um, this was our first night crossing. Um, And, you know, first time that we're leaving one country and going to another country on the sailboat um, at nighttime. Um, So that took us, it was a fantastic night. It was perfect, as I said um, before, in respect to the AIS you know, we picked it because it was perfectly still. So it was gonna be motoring across the whole time. Unfortunately, from a sailing perspective, that doesn't sound very good, but from a point of view of you know, conditions to cross in, it was absolutely ideal. And we went across at about 16 to 1800 RPM. I think we only used about 40 euro of diesel for the entire trip. Um, so it's, you know, very economic. Um, and there was a full moon, lovely, clear sky. So it was just one of those fantastic moments where, you know, Julia was downstairs, she was asleep, the kids were half asleep. Um, I was on deck for the first part of it and you were just the only person in the world. You know, it was, (laughs) there's nobody, nobody around you awake anywhere in sight. Just lovely, still mill pond water with moon reflecting, stars reflecting off it. Um, you know, the only thing that was disturbing it was our diesel engine. Which marina did you go to in Italy then? All right, so let's have a look. Yeah, go due, due west of Lozenge Island and zoom in on the Italian coast and you'll get Porto Garibaldi. So uh, Porto Garibaldi you go into the actual port itself, go past the port, and there's a marina um, on the southern side. And um, the marina itself is Marina degli Estenzi. Yeah, and that was the first time that, um, you know, that we're crossing uh, at night time, as I said. It was perfect conditions. But what I found... uh, I found that when we're crossing the shipping lanes, the freighters were really easy to spot. In the sense that it was a, you know, there's plenty of light coming from the moon, so you could, you, obviously, you knew on the on your navionics and, and on your GPS where when the um, um, you know shipping lanes were approaching. So it was quite easy to to know when to look out for for them, and the large freighters were easy to spot because there was no lights on them except the nav lights. So you had the uh the white lights and the port and starboard lights. Fairly simple to identify, you know, you had the black mass of the actual ship itself plus the lights were easy to spot. As soon as you saw a um a cruise ship, the cruise ship itself was really easy to spot. <laughs> but trying to find the navigation lights no you can't ship. they're just they're
0: sm- they're they're drowned out by all the white lights
1: yeah absolutely i mean there's you know you can see the disco going and you can, <laughs> there's all these other lights you're looking at it through the binoculars you you finally end up spotting them but you know it's it's so much easier to actually see the cruise ship because it's such a lit up thing on on the horizon but uh, so much harder to detect uh which way it's heading based on its navigation lights uh, but the freighters were pretty easy because <laughs> they're just dark objects with with the nav lights. So yeah. But, All right. So we, I, I
0: found Porto Garibaldi now. Okay, finally found it. Okay. So you go in and then you go way back. Then it looks like it goes quite. You come in off the coast and go way back in. It looks like then.
1: Yeah, and and that was the same in you know previously we talked about Grado, where mm-hmm. you actually went into the town, and obviously the same in Venice. <laughs> Um, and the same in Carroll, where you actually go in a long way, um, and you're going down this really narrow canal that they've um, dredged in and, and put in a um, put in a marina. So the marina is that large um, rectangular water. It looks like there's a lot of boats tied up
0: along the wall as you come in as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're all fishing boats. Um, but, yeah, so we, we stayed there and um, we enjoyed the area. There wasn't, unlike Croatia where they spoke a lot of English and, you know, English was really easy in Croatia, you're, it's easy to be a tourist along the, certainly the, the coast of Croatia anyway. Um, we found that um, Porto Garibaldi or this area here where our friends were staying and it's a it's a family place that they go to each year. There was no one that spoke English except our friends.
0: (laughs) So it was good to have people that spoke Italian with you then,
1: huh? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the things that we found that were very different is that uh, the people were lovely, even though they couldn't speak, you know, they didn't speak English. And it seemed to be like a local Italian place to come for summer holidays. So food was great and cheap. Uh, it was much cheaper than Croatia, and obviously the food is much better in Italy, I feel, than in Croatia. Um, so that was just a great place to be, except for the fact that, uh, you know, you would need to speak a little bit of Italian to get around if you didn't have somebody there speaking Italian for you or with you. Um, so, yeah, so that that was, um, let's see, how many nights did we spend there? We, one, two, three, four nights um in the same marina, uh, we did a couple of day trips uh, with our friends and their family so I had the boat out a couple of times just sailing up and down the coast and just anchoring off the beach. Uh, again the beach was sandy as opposed to the rocky beach, rocky shorelines that you get in Croatia. but of course the water is <clears throat> the water is green as opposed to clear because of all the runoff and the you know the, the shallow, um, muddy areas around the beaches, so one warm water but uh, not clear.
0: Yeah, I can see that just looking at the water going in there. It looks like muddy water into the marina coming off the yeah, coast. Then, yeah, yeah,
1: it is. It is muddy water on the Italian side, and obviously that changes as you go further south on the Italian coast. But certainly that part is um, generally warmer, muddier, um, sandy beaches, but you know not white sand beaches. Um and then we're back out at sea after that. So how many days did you stay here? You said uh three or four days? I've got it on the list here as being one, two, three, four days, it would have been five nights. What were the marina costs like? Were they reasonable? Um they were. They were probably roughly the same as, you know, the, the lesser expensive Croatian marinas. Um so on the lower end of, of the price point. Um, but not absolutely cheap, but, um, you know, reasonable, especially compared to Croatia. So then you were out to
0: sea. Did you head back over to Croatia again then?
1: We did. uh, We did another night crossing. Um, We headed out in the afternoon and sailed through the night. This time we had um, quite a long trip because we went right across to, um, we anchored in Dobra, So we're heading off to Zador. Oh, okay. Or, sorry, Zada. Now you check in before you get to Zada. right? Okay, um, because you know what it's like in Croatia, right? Yeah. They they open up certain check-in points at uh, during the summer, and if you go past one of those, heading to the major port, um, you fail to check in at the closest port, and then you could be up for a fine. <laughs> um, we checked in on. I haven't got a list of where we actually checked in, but I think it was um, Bozava. Okay. Is the town? Yeah. What, what's the it name is. of it? Um, so it's B-O-Z-A-V-A.
0: Oh, there it is. Okay.
1: Wow, that's a small place, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know that's and that's the closest checking. Point if you were coming across from uh, Porto Garibaldi to Croatia, because if you continued into Zadar, you would have gone past it.
0: <laughs> and it looks like a real small marina. You have to go to, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean we didn't actually go inside the marina, although there were there is space for um, yachts to be inside that marina on the inside of that wall. Um, We didn't want to go there because we thought that um, we'd we'd like to be on anchor, again, having been in the marina for the last four or five days. um, Even though we sailed across, we wanted to go out on anchor, and we went and dropped the pick uh, on that same island, but it was further north in a place called Dobra, And it's, it's a bay that's sort of, you know, like this, second or third last bay heading north on that island um it had enough room for about two boats to anchor and you know we there were two there was another boat and us in there um and we spent a lovely quiet night on anchor at that location and so timing wise i think this was um yeah on the 20th of august
0: now this is now this is the uh the town on the east side of the island, is that correct?
1: Um, well, there was no town at the anchorage. Okay. Uh, the town, it's, the Bozava itself is on the um, east side. Yeah. Right, okay, okay.
0: Looks like there's a ferry that pulls in there too once in a while.
1: Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those islands are just wonderful. I mean, you know, they're, they're green, the water is clear, the water's blue, it's clear, the islands are green. Yeah, it's just very picturesque place to go sailing through. Um, and after we um, went into that anchorage in Dobra, which is, again on on that same island but further north, um, we were heading over to Zadar, and we ended up doing some sailing, which was great. Um, did you get the downwind? Going,
0: did the what downwind sails or the broad reach sails that you can get in that area?
1: Yeah, it was a broad reach. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we were heading to Zada and um we sailed probably about three quarters of it before we ran out of wind. And in Zada we weren't sure which marina to go to. Um obviously we we're using the triple seven guide and there are a few there. The first one we went to um was called Marina Boric and when we got to Marina Boric, we knew there was Bora coming. So again, <laughs> what a surprise! Another Bora. <laughs> so you know, being being the cautious sailors that we well, that we are, we uh, decided that you know we, we'll stay in the marina whilst the is blowing through. Um, and <laughs> it uh, it was crazy. I mean, the, this storm went through, and the the people that we'd left in Italy phoned us up the next day. And so I think the storm happened on about the 21st, 22nd of August. And, and they phoned us up going, are you guys okay? Because the lightning and the winds and, and the, the rain was just horrendous for them. And they were in a hotel room. Um, we went to bed and about, I think it was about midnight, the wind picked up. And the boat's listing at about 25 degrees, just because of the wind. And that was, and that was even after we were um, sheltered by a much larger power boat that was next to us. Yeah, you know, just the wind and the rigging at, against the mast and the standing rigging, um, and of course, you know, the furled headsail. It was just pushing the boat over at about 25 degrees. It was just absolutely crazy, and there was so much lightning that you didn't need a torch uh, because I I went outside just in, you know, shorts and a, and a raincoat to just check the lines, and I actually added an extra line on. Um, but, you know, Julia and I were up in the cabin just looking outside, standing there, waiting for it to blow over, and I think we stood there watching the storm for about an hour before it abated, and uh, the boat sort of leveled off again. Well,
0: it looks like there's like five marinas in Zadar, and I never went there because it just looked like a big crowded town to me, so I never I never did stop at Zadar. I was out in the islands, but there's a lot of marinas in there.
1: Yeah, there is, and I wouldn't recommend Marina Borik. So Marina, Marina Borik is B-O-R-I-K, and it was fine, but um, they had no protective wall, so you're paying... You know, reasonable dollars to be in the marina the um
0: oh is this the one that's way down at the
1: bottom then so if you go out of zada it'll be the marina that's um yeah there it is you'll see two two marinas uh north of zada mm-hmm. and it's the furthest north one okay you okay zoom in, in to it. i mean yeah the, you know, the toilets toilets and showers and so forth for a long long walk um which is not, I mean, you know, a lot. Of, you get a lot of that sometimes in marinas anyway. But uh, they had uh, floating um, piers, and there was no there was no breakwater, um, so therefore the piers were just rocking around. So when this when the bora went through, you know, uh, even any other boats and so forth, ferries, whatever, and all that traffic that you've got coming out of Zadar, as far as traffic, you know, ferry traffic. Uh, you you would feel that rocking you around in that marina, so so we decided to leave that marina and and we headed up we headed into Zadar itself. The following uh, after the two days in Marina Boric, we headed to Zadar itself, and there's an ACI marina that's actually in town. And if you um, if you go into the main port of Zada and take a left, and it's really crazy, because it's pretty tight in there, like, you you, you know, you, you cruise in, and you're going right past the shop, you know, sort of thing, and there's not a lot of space in that marina.
0: Yeah, I think I decided to avoid it, because I was, when I was going by this area, I was, uh, the first time I was by myself, and the last thing I wanted to do was to try to get into a tight anchorage, and the next time, we just kept going down the coast, we went right on by it, so... I didn't, uh, never did head into Sazhar. You know, Jack, we're going to have to stop it there. We've got about an hour and two minutes. My wife's called me twice on the phone, and it must be what is about two o'clock in the mor, four o'clock in the morning there. Okay, well, you need to get some sleep. Let's uh, let's catch up uh, after Christmas. This this episode should be released, I think, the second week in January. So I've got uh, your first one coming up this week, the next one, the week after that, and this one should be the third one. And this will be the first one where if people are interested in following us uh, as we're talking, me moving my computer around and looking at the different places, they can go into YouTube and check it out. All right, Jack. Thanks a lot. Let's catch up after Christmas then. Thanks, Franz. Have a good Christmas. Thank you for listening. If you have comments, questions, thoughts, suggestions, Please email me at franz1 at medsailor.com. And please consider joining the email list and getting the lessons. Thank you for listening. Joe, do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while you just gotta say, what the heck? And take some chances. You are so right.
1: You've made me very proud.
0: I was just thinking where we might be ten years from now, you know?